From InGoal Magazine, the industry leader in net mining, this is InGoal Radio, the podcast, a presentation of The Hockey Shop, source for sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. As the summer of 2019 passes into the back half of July, more and more pros are getting back on the ice. Today, fresh off an early morning workout in Kelowna, you will hear from James Reimer, a 12-year pro, revealing why he became a goaltender and his thoughts on joining his fourth NHL organization after a trade to the Carolina Hurricanes. And for the segment of the audience that has the added responsibility of dealing with the media, Reimer also has some honest advice about handling situations that have the potential of being combative. After a one-week absence, Kevin Woodley returns to the hockey shop for the Ingle Gear segment. Woody runs through the 2X line of Bower Sticks, but with a slight twist with the visit, including a team of Source for Sports Surrey that offers up a backup goaltender. Yeah, a different battery, so to speak, uh, for Woody to uh, deal with this week. I'm your host, Darren Millard. Welcome to Episode 27, InGoal Radio, back to being a three-man wolf pack as we bring in the co-founders of InGoal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And uh, Woody, I noticed that you were here early, you were prepared, you were doing all your stretching, because after last week, in which Hutch and I co-hosted the show solo for the first time, uh, you might feel a little threatened. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I had the foam rollers out, um, made sure that, uh, you know, the vibrating ones, a uh, little plug to the folks from Hyperice, those are the best uh, best product on the market. Uh, the guys in the locker room tend to look at me a little funny while I pull out, when I pull out the giant vibrating foam rollers before a game, but I, I wanted to make sure I was loose and ready to, uh, to step things up with you guys today. He, uh, yeah, he's fired up, uh, Hutch. We, we got under his skin. It's uh, my favorite hobby. Uh, I will say this. Between the three of us, I, I've noticed that the common denominator to having issues getting this podcast started is Woody, because we get together, and to package this podcast should take about 25 minutes. Uh, but before we even start recording, when Woody's involved, we're about an hour, because <laughs> you've got you've got this going on and that going on, and you've heard this, and you're talking to that person, but he can't say anything uh, this week, maybe next week. Uh, I mean, you are a human rain delay, man. I yeah, that, verbal diarrhea, rain delay, I mean, they, yeah, they pretty much the same thing. I, th- I think we could get some sponsors for the Behind the Scenes podcast. Ooh, yeah, podcasts make, make are supposed to be the behind the scenes. This is really deep, behind, behind. deep stuff. Th- this is yeah. like the Danny Saber and Roberto Luongo line up to get on the ice, and I got to go yeah. to the bathroom break type stories. We should, we should, that should be subscriber only, guys. Yeah, it's it's dark web of goaltending. <laughs> that that's basically what it is. So uh, you were up in Kelowna. You had Eric Comrie last week, uh, James Reimer this week. The, the Net Three Sixty Group. Uh, tell us about uh, your experience. Uh, well, Kelowna was a little bit of a mixture of work and pleasure. The work was obviously on the ice uh, with, the, I guess for lack of a better term, the Net360 group. Uh, some of the goaltenders who head up there every August for the Net360 camp decided to get together and head out, get on the ice a little early, get, get, get their feet under them in July um, with Net360 co-founders Ray Petkow of Alpha Sports Agency and Adam Francilia, who, I mean, as a trainer, goes back to like Andrew Ladd's um, junior days is when I first discovered uh, A-Fran. And, and of course, Reimer was one of his early clients. And now he's got a stable, as does Ray, uh, just loaded, you know, not just goaltenders, um, 
you know, some of the shooters we had out there are guys that Adam Francilia works with, uh, including Tyler Myers now with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, when we get to net 360, it's there. It's just loaded with NHL shooters too, but certainly specializing in goaltending. And so we had Eric Comrie, James Reimer, who you hear from today, Cole Keeler uh, in the Los Angeles Kings system, Beck Warm, uh, who we saw at the, the mental training day with Pete Fry and John Stevenson. He was up there fresh off uh, development camp with the Washington Capitals that evidently went well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Beck get a contract in the near future. And Troy Grosnick uh, of the Nashville Predators mm. slash Milwaukee Admirals was out there as well. Uh, and one other mystery guest that I can't quite reveal just yet. Will the other guys that are familiar that we're familiar with, Net360, Dubnik, right? Yep. Uh, uh, Connor Hellebuck, do they do a, a camp later on? They, Just they, because of their preferences. Well, they all come from they all those guys, including Lorraine Brossois as well, will all be there at the Net yeah. 360 camp in in early August. But not everybody came out to this one. Um, obviously for varying reasons, just in terms of travel, uh, Devin Dubnik is not actually living in Kelowna this summer. He stayed in Minnesota with his, you know, now young family with three young kids. Uh, they stayed there for the summer, but he'll still be at net 360 in, in early August. Um, I should mention too the coaches, Ryan Sear flew in from Winnipeg for the three days on the ice. He usually sort of coordinates and runs all the coaches at the net 360 camp. And, uh, first appearance this year, uh, at the other end of the ice, both of them, you know, pick the half of the ice to run their drills. And then Adam Francilli in the middle with two goaltenders. So it was like a rotation among the three um, was uh, Eli Wilson. So he had one end of the ice, Ryan Searett one end of the ice and a friend in the middle. And to me, you know, sometimes to be honest, guys, the, the a friend stuff is the most fascinating because um, it really is. You talked about the off ice work that James did before the interview. Well, the on ice is almost like off ice as well. I mean, they're strapped into bands. There's no pucks. There's no saves. Uh, it's a lot of movement patterns, single leg, both leg. Actually looks like goaltending. Some of it doesn't look like goaltending, but it's always uh, and all very tied into goalie movement patterns and strengthening certain things. Um, we've seen with the bands connected to guys and depending on where the band is connected and what you're holding, you could be targeting abductors and, and, or you could be targeting obliques, like, like the muscles that we want to use to move in one piece to avoid a lot of the counter rotation and flailing that used to play goaltending. So, uh, fascinating to be part of that for three days. And then I did manage to squeeze in, I got to plug it charity golf tournament, uh, Bob the Moj Marjanovic from TSN 1040 Radio in Vancouver puts it on every year. It's called the, the Moj Shootout. Uh, this year, they're raising money for BC Women's uh, Hospital and Health Center, and they raised a ton of money. Lots of NHL players and ex-NHL players playing uh, in the group up at the Harvest, and I was a guest of Richie Brothers. So my buddy Doug Olive from Richie Brothers uh, invited us up there and yeah, interspersed with uh, three days of goaltending when it was one afternoon of excessive drinking and really poor golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> James Reimer hints that uh, that maybe that group uh, at Net360 should go together and get to Afran a hobby so he doesn't just sit around thinking about evil drills and <laughs> evil workouts uh, to do. Uh, Eli Wilson, our, our good buddy, uh, is also very busy doing his, uh, his own camps. And Hutch, you're going to be part of that? Yeah, I've been, uh, I mean, we have been working with Eli for close to a decade now, and I even a little bit more closely. So Maddie and I are hitting the road tomorrow morning, heading to Edmonton. We'll spend a couple of weeks with Eli at his uh, prospects camps. This is sort of the highest level camp he has for uh, kids who play midget AAA, junior, sort of guys on the road to a pro career. And uh, he's got a couple of 
WHL shooters at every works, uh, every station. And, uh, yeah, really, really the best of the best high level stuff. And we get to be a part of that to a little bit of coaching, a little bit of media work. And, uh, and then obviously Maddie gets to come along for, for the ride as well and get a lot of reps in. So really, really great experience for both of us for a couple of weeks. And while we're there, uh, we've already booked a a time to go and see, uh, Jackie Freeman, John Stevenson's former partner in the business. And she's, uh, focused on the visual side of the game, the cognitive side of the game. I've had a fascinating uh, chat with her leading up to that about uh, the work that she has been doing with some of the goaltenders. Uh, you know, he's, she's also been involved in, in the work with Holtby and Hart and so on and uh, really fascinating stuff. So hopefully we'll bring some of that to uh, everybody in a future podcast and uh, a couple of mystery guests that we're trying to nail down while we're in the Edmonton area as well. So stay tuned for that. So you've been through this prospect camp a couple of times? Oh, probably five or six. Yeah. Okay. So give me an idea of what they, what Eli does with these goaltenders and what they work on. Mm-hmm. Is it just straight like from the ground up or is it uh, a little more specific? Uh, it's, it's, uh, his, his big focus, uh, the phrase he likes to use is, uh, learn to play the game, not just the position. Um, so, so you're given some really high level, uh, game like scenarios uh, every shooter, you know, you go to a lot of goalie camps and you see the shooters in track suits and helmet and gloves. Every shooter here who plays in the Canadian Hockey League are in full gear and Eli is pushing these guys to give nothing but 100% uh, every rep. So you're really facing the best of the best uh, at full speed, which is a little bit of a rare thing in the summertime uh, with some of these camps. And so you're learning how to read complex situations. Each drill is built on the previous one so that his skills develop New challenges are added in in similar scenarios. He, uh, he works with the shooters as well, um, asking them to execute certain things to try and deceive the goaltenders, to add a little bit of layer of deception that is becoming important in the game. And, and I think the shooters enjoy that as well because they take something away from, from it, not just working on having a harder shot, a more accurate shot. Um, it's impressive to see the work these guys do. I mean, at the end of the week, I, honestly, within the first day, quite often, often two days, uh, these shooters have blown through a pair of gloves. They're all wearing baseball gloves, gardening gloves underneath because they are working so, so hard. They're putting in six hours a day at full speed uh, for five days, these shooters. Um, really impressive. And and the goaltenders just sort of get tested at their limit. And then it's a, it's a whole program. It's, uh, they try and have that NHL training camp feel. So we've got a professional trainer on staff. There's a, a yoga instructor on staff. Uh, there's off-ice training. Uh, kids are all staying in a hotel, two to a room. Uh, you're not just sort of showing up at the rink to do some drills. You're actually living the game for a week. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really cool atmosphere to try and raise raise your game and raise the level of play. I you know what I didn't I hear in all of that, Woody? You know what I didn't hear? What's that? I didn't hear him say golf or beer. Wednesday afternoon, we're probably at the golf course. Uh, Maddie, ah. Maddie packed his clubs already. Nah. Uh, probably not beer. Probably not beer. Uh, Maddie's 12. He's not going to have a beer. I might in the evening. But uh, no, there's a little time for fun as well. Hit up the West Edmonton Mall in the water park too, I'm sure. We should probably actually clarify now that actually now that you say that, Darren, but uh, the beer and the charity golf in terms of the excessive drinking. Now, because Eric Comrie was on with us and that was after he played golf uh, with myself and Cole Keeler, but there was no drinking with that. When I talk about no. the charity component and the NHLers that were out there, that's not these goalies. Uh, they were up there to work. They definitely did 
not take part in our one day golf gong show. So, um, when I golfed with Comrie and those guys, that was totally separate from, from the other thing. I will vouch for Hutch on the shooters. Um, I'm just frantically looking cause I've cramped on his name, but one of our shooters at, um, at the, the, the three days that we were up there and he's been at net 360 before too. He's a San Jose sharks prospect. And he ended up in uh, Eli's station on the last day on Wednesday. And he showed me the blister on his hand at the end of that session. And it was disgusting and it was deep. And he was like, man, my hands are just raw. I don't feel sorry for them. No, not, not, (laughs) not in the slightest. It's, it's funny on Friday afternoon as the whistle goes to pick up the pucks after the last session. Uh, quite honestly, the shooters all look relieved and they're high-fiving each other like they've just summited Mount Everest. <laughs> uh, look forward to the, the full report uh, from you, Hutch, uh, on your time in the Alberta capital. A side note, by the way, on the feature interviews from the last couple of weeks. When compared to Eric Comrie from a week ago, James Reimer helps further illustrate that there isn't one tried and true route to make it to the National Hockey League. Remember, Comrie was this big city guy from an affluent family splitting his childhood between Edmonton and Southern California. That in itself is unique. James Reimer grew up in small town Manitoba. You'll hear just how sparse in just a moment. He started playing hockey five years after most kids take up the game, making it to the Western Hockey League after a handful of seasons. Reimer will call Raleigh, North Carolina home this season, part of a change over with Sergei Bobrovsky taking over with the Florida Panthers. And interesting, listen to how many times the number 99 comes up for different reasons in this interview. Here's James Reimer with Kevin Woodley on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by thehockeyshop.com. All right, so pardon the background noise here, but we're with James Reimer now of the Carolina Hurricanes. We're uh, we're inside uh, the CNC Capital News Center in Kelowna. These guys just did like an hour bagger on the ice, six thirty to seven thirty, and now some off ice. So uh, again, apologies to our listeners for the background noise, but we got some kid camps going as me and James catch up. First off, uh, I want to start with uh, like where you at, where you at this summer. After getting traded from Florida to Carolina, have you had a chance to wrap your mind around that? And what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, currently not too good. I'm too old for a 630 workout. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, obviously excited. I mean, um, obviously, you know, I knew there'd be a little bit of uncertainty this offseason off and, and figuring out where uh, I'd end up and whatnot. But um, to be picked up by Carolina, I'm pretty excited. Um, talked to a few people there and whatnot, and it seems, uh, seems like the team's in a great place, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. You know, the only problem I think I have with this deal is I've gotten to know you. I've had the pleasure of getting to know you off the ice, and I'm not sure you can wear the label as one of the bunch of jerks because you might be one of the <laughs> nicest goalies in the NHL. How's that going to work? Yeah, you know, I'll just change uh, change my personality. That's not too hard to do. So, so you're not going to be a jerk from yeah, now on? Yeah, you know, the, my, my true self will come out. Um, let's talk about off-ice in summer. Like, is this routine for you to be on this early? This week was your first time on the ice, if I got that right, in terms of summer. Would that be roughly your normal routine is back in mid-July, mostly off-ice until then? Yeah, it kind of changes from summer to summer. You kind of you feel it out. Um, in the past, um, I've been on this early. Um, 
a few times over my career, but uh, sometimes you don't start till August. It just kind of depends what, um, you know, what the plan is for the summer and what you're working on and whatnot. And so um, this year, you know, just really wanted to get, um, you know, your on ice movement down and, and just on ice strength. And, and so, um, you know, to have a week like this where we're on the ice um, for a bunch of days, it's, uh, it's great to just kind of, kind of get your body going. Now, Adam Francilia, talk a little bit. We've asked you in the past about this, but your work with him, we watched some of these drills. It's not, you're not upstairs in the gym, you know, pushing big blocks of weight around a lot of body movement stuff, a lot of smaller weights, a lot of, a lot of things that are tied specifically to goaltending. How has working with him changed your off season and your approach to off ice training over the past few years? Well, I guess, and actually you, I mean, for it's not past few years, like you go way back, you, yeah. you go way back with Afran. <laughs> Walk me through that relationship yeah, and the history well, of it. Cause you might be one of his early NHL clients. Yeah. One of, uh, one of his earliest, I mean, um, lad, I think was working with him, with him before me and, and a few other guys, but yeah, I mean, I think this is our, I think we're starting our 10th year together. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, what I like about him too is, is, um, he obviously loves the game and he, and he loves the sport and, um, and specifically goaltending. And so, um, you know, he's always, uh, you know, dreaming at night, thinking up, uh, you know, weird exercises for us that are, um, super applicable to, uh, to our position. And so, um, you know, you're not just getting under the bar and, and squatting and deadlifting a thousand pounds. I mean, it's, we're doing a ton of like just different, um, mobility, um, movement stuff, just really, just really controlling your body and, and kind of being a master of your body. And so, um, you know, I just think it's, it mirrors our game on the ice, um, so much and, and, uh, definitely wouldn't be where I was if, uh, you know, it wasn't for, uh, you know, our relationship. Okay. Now I want to go back. We got, we got the up-to-date stuff and what you're doing. Like James Reimer fell in love with the position or became a goaltender because I had an older brother that forced me in that. We talked to Eric Comrie last week, same situation. His older brothers just happened to be a lot older and play in the NHL. But you know what? I think it was Alex Pruitt from Sports Illustrated did a story on this. And like half the guys in the league started with an older brother that shoved them in the net. So was that like, was it road hockey? Was it ice hockey? Walk me through that first experience and how much older is your brother? Yeah. So my brother, um, his name's Mark and he's uh, about three and a half years older than me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, obviously, every younger brother brother wants to play with their older brother. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's uh, human nature um, uh, for everyone. But uh, and he, obviously, I enjoyed playing goalie. But uh, but yeah, no, he uh, he shoved me in net, and uh, and we would play road hockey, street hockey, floor hockey, you know, kitchen hockey, um, everything, you know. And so, you know, honestly, some of my favorite memories are, you know, we'd be watching. You know, we were out in rural Manitoba. Right? Didn't have, only had two channels, but so when Hockey Night in Canada came on, it was a big night. And um, you know, so we'd watch we watch hockey, and in, in the intermissions, we'd be straight either to the basement or to my dad had a shop, and we'd play for twenty, thirty minutes, come back, watch another period, go back out, and so um, yeah, just a lot of fun um, playing road hockey. And and um, you know, with him being three and a half years older than me, I mean, obviously, you know, he's stronger and motor skills are better. I mean, it just, it pushed you as a young kid too, to try and keep up. And so, you know, we kind of joke about it, but I mean, it definitely helped my development, I'm sure. Now, did you play out at all or was for, based on that, were you just a goalie from day one? Just and, a, and I got to ask too, part two of this is as you're out there, road hockey, street hockey, kitchen hockey, growing up in rural Manitoba, Morwina, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Right. Good job. Who were you? 
Like James, were you James Reimer out there making saves? Were you Felix Pot? Like which? Who were you? Yeah, I mean that kind of rotated a little bit. I mean Mike Richter was my favorite goalie till I was about eleven, twelve ish or so, and then I kind of started to understand the game a little more. And and uh, I was ninety nine, and so that's when Eddie Belfour won the cup, and he's from Manitoba as well, um, coincidentally. And so he was my he was my favorite goalie growing up through you know the big years of understanding the game. But um, yeah, no, I mean we just. Uh, we just got after it. I mean, it was uh, it was just uh, a ton of fun. At what point, population what? Like, how how small a town are we talking here, James? About just uh, call a Sunday morning church service about 150. So, how far is the NHL from there as a young kid growing up? Like, as at what point? You know, you end up going to play for the Red Deer Rebels in the WHL in 2005. But at what point, as a young goaltender, as you're developing, are you thinking that? hockey goaltending could be a career for you or the NHL was even remotely possible, let alone realistic. I mean, it's, it's so far away that it's, it's not even on the radar. I mean, you know, obviously you look at the yearbooks, like when I grew up, I want to be a hockey player, but like, I had no idea. You know what I mean? I, I, I was completely ignorant. Um, and I think that probably helped too. Obviously I wanted to be a hockey player and you dreamt of it, but you had no idea what it took and, and even if it would be a possibility or whatnot. And so, you know, and for me, I started late. I started playing when I was 12 and, and everything was just, you know, just honestly, it was just one year at a time. And it's not even that I had that mentality or planned to have the mentality. It was just, you know, 12 years old, let's try hockey. Oh, went well, 13, tried again, went well. You know what I mean? And so it just kind of kept building and, and, uh, you know, I think when I thought realistically it could be a possibility, I mean, obviously when I got drafted uh, into the NHL, I mean, that's kind of when I was like, oh, geez, like maybe this could happen, you know? And so, um, but it was very, it was very much just a, just an ignorance is bliss, probably kind of a, kind of a childhood. Okay. So you're drafted in 2006, 99th overall, the old number 99, not a bad digit. Top 100. Hockey terms. Top 100. Yeah, there we go. Uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so you're coming off your first year, first year in Red Deer. I always ask guys, like it's interesting now because we see these kids with goalie coaches at age seven and eight. But if I remember an old conversation correctly, your first goalie coach was probably when you got to the Western Hockey League, and in some ways, it might have been your goalie partner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my goalie partner in junior is probably the most technical goalie I've uh, I've ever uh, played with, at least for my last two years. Uh, Morgan Clark, he, he uh, son of Vancouver Canucks goalie coach Ian Clark. Yeah, he he could move like uh, no one I've ever seen, and so um, probably learned more from him than anybody else. But you know, like I had the odd goalie coach, you know, odd session here or there. You know, it was fourteen, fifteen. Um, went to an HMI camp actually, then kind of learned like how to stand, like your stance, and just like the super super basics. But really, you know, didn't have a goalie coach at all. And so uh, when I went to junior, then that's when I yeah, I really kind of first had. Uh, um, my first goalie coach, Andy Nowicki, and uh, and he was great, but it was just yeah, it was intriguing just to just to do goalie drills and and um and to just you know work on your game and and see the differences and and kind of how goaltending is really separate from the rest of the rest of the team, really. Okay, so now three years in the dub, turn pro. Now you're in the Toronto organization. Oh uh, eight oh nine split between Reading and, and and the Marlies in the American Hockey League. Uh, looks like some stints too with South Carolina. So a little ECHL, a little, a little AHL. Mm -hmm. 
was was Frankie there already? Was Frankie in the organization at that point, or what was walk me through the progression there? Like how how does your game evolve? Because I know you ended up with a layer in Toronto, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if he was there that early. But how's your game evolved as you turn pro? What kind of what kind of things were you changing? Yeah, I mean, my first year pro was was kind of like almost my childhood. You know, I'd never really heard of the ECHL before. You know what I mean? I kind of heard of the AHL a little bit. I mean, we had it in um, in Winnipeg when the Jets left, but. But I, you know, East Coast, I didn't really know anything about, and and um, you know, went up there, and and uh, Frankie wasn't part of the organization yet; he was came in the next year. But um, you know, had a really tough start to that year. Um, the team wasn't very good. You know, probably I wasn't playing very good. First time, first year pro, a lot of learning, and uh, and uh, you know, so it was it was different. And then I got traded to South Carolina, and. Uh, and South Carolina was a was a great team and and fit in there and we ended up actually winning the whole thing. So, um, you know, I obviously had a few games with the Marlies as well, but um, turned out to be a really good finish to that year. All right, so you win a championship in your first year, East Coast Hockey League. Then you move up to the Marlies, you get a little exposure to Frankie, and then up ultimately with the Leafs from 2010 all the way through 2016. Talk to me a little bit about your time with Francois Lair. Um, a goalie coach who I've argued uh, should probably be the first in the Hall of Fame or needs to be in the Hall of Fame. There's some other guys there too, but yeah, I hear about you. time. Message to the Hockey Hall of Fame voters. Goalie coaches are people too. Um, who knew? But also a guy that I think there might be some misconceptions about. I mean, everybody just associates him with a very rigid style of goaltending. And yes, there was a system, but was it? Was there some misconceptions there? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I mean, honestly, I credit Frankie with for a massive part of my success in in the NHL. I mean, like I said, I never really had goalie coaching per se and, and had some in, in Red Deer, which is great because it kind of it gave me kind of the introduction to, to goaltending. Um, but then, um, you know, I was still really raw in, in the East Coast and, and then I came up um, the next year and, and and we started working with Frankie and, and he just had a, he had a system, you know, when the puck's here, this is kind of what you do, you know, when the puck's here, this is what you do. And it just like blew my, blew my mind and the game got just simplified at big time. And so, um, that was huge for me, you know what I mean? Cause the whole time it was just like, you know, you're just kind of guessing or just kind of like you know, putting a plan in place. Yeah. You know, there's no plan. You just try and stop the puck. Right. And so for him, it was, he, it was huge, huge for my game. What'd you learn about yourself playing in that market? <laughs> it's not it's not easy. I mean I I've only worked in a Canadian market from a journalism side and I've seen what it's like. It, it not everybody handle everybody handles it differently. What how, what was that experience like? Uh honestly honestly I have to give a lot of credit to to their their program, their development. I mean I went to development camp, you know, a bunch of times and 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 um they had some really good information and so the biggest thing that that I learned is is take time after games or practice and take 30 seconds or five minutes, whatever you need, cool down and start thinking about what you're going to be asked and your life will be so much easier. And so if there's, if there's one thing I tell to two guys, especially after I left and some new guys coming in, it was just, you know what, like these guys, you get, you know, it's cause it's all about the media and, and how hard it is and whatnot. And obviously these guys just have a job to do. And, uh, and so if you're not all evil, yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's just, you know, if you can just take the emotion out of it and start formulating answers in your head before they come, then it'll make your life a lot easier. So you just kind of like a deep breath, 
but you almost got to plan for it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just put in just 30 seconds of planning. You know what I mean? Like, what went wrong on the ice? I mean, you know, and so they're probably going to ask you about it. So do you want to snap at them and, and be a headline for a day, or do you want to just take a breath and and just accept the fact that they're going to ask about it and that's okay? Knowledge of the position has changed, too, over the years from a media standpoint. Obviously, not everyone's having conversations like this where we want to get into technical details. But has that helped? Or, like, they look for more explanations beyond just how the puck went in? Like, are you finding that as the questions become a little more educated, is it easier? Or am I overstating how educated the questions are? <laughs> no, I, I think that helps. I mean, I think that helps. I mean, when... When you're talking to someone who studies the game and, and really invests into the game, it's, it becomes a lot easier, A, to give a good answer, and B, to actually not just, just more dialed into it, you know what I mean, or more professional or, or whatever, you know what I mean? If you feel like a guy is just kind of there and asking questions because he has to, I mean, it's, it's a lot harder to uh, be a pro and, and try and give a good answer. Okay, now, how has your game changed as well since Toronto and over the past couple of years, like it feels like this is a position that's constantly evolving. It's always changing. If you stand still, you might be falling behind, but it also can be tough because sometimes people chase the latest thing. How do you like, how do you get to the point where you know that I, this is my foundation as James Reimer and I'm comfortable in it? Like, are, is it, it, do you have to be careful not to try too much or where is that for you now? Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of have to read where you're at and where the game's at. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable um, where I am. I and mean, obviously done some some great work with uh, with head trajectory and, and Lyle and whatnot, and um, and feel like that's that was a huge a huge boost in my game. In, in what ways? In what ways did it change? Because we've actually never had this conversation. I've I've recorded you working with him, but I've never asked you what what about it worked and what how you think it helped you. I find that, like, for me, the way I see it is, is when I worked with Frankie, it just it simplified the game big time, and it just made, made the game easier. You had a plan, and I feel like head trajectory or tracking, whatever the cool word is these days, it just, in working with Lyle, it just, it just did it, like, twofold. It just, like, so I had that, and now the next step was an even even better or a more detailed plan. You know what I mean? It was just taking that next step. And so um, it just gave you, it just simplified the game even more. And so, um, you know, that's, that for me is, is, was big because it's, you know, if anything, my game was a little too busy. And so now it's just kind of adds a little bit more of, of a calm side to it. Okay. Now a lot of people think of tracking and we think of watching the puck off the release the one thing to me that I think outside having learned it, like it really is more like it's more than just the shot. Mm -hmm. It's the oh. movement and the biomechanics and the setup and all those elements. You think, like, do you think it gets a misconception as just being about, because when we think of puck trying, it's like, yeah, that's the puck coming at me, the shot. I, in some ways, I think it actually is more about the other things that get you to the position before the shot comes. Yeah. I mean, really that's, that's what it is. I mean, I mean, if you, if you're not set up properly to look at the puck when it's coming at you, it's going to be way harder to look at the puck, right? And so, I mean, if you do the work beforehand, it's crazy. Even fine for myself when in practice sometimes when you're lagging a little bit and feels like pucks are coming at you pretty quick, it's it's often it's the lead-up. It's not the release. It's it's like, are you tracking it to the guy's stick? You know what I mean? That extra second or two with having your eye on it, it's uh, it's a big it's a big deal. And building all those elements early. Um, Florida, San Jose, brief stint, little chance with Johan Hedberg, and you guys went on a run to the conference finals 
uh, with Martin Jones. That was your first time traded in the NHL. Was that like an, as, an, as an adjustment? And did, has that made it easier to go from then to Florida the next year? And do you think it'll make it easier now? You've been through it a few times going to Carolina this summer and into next year. Yeah, I mean, honestly, going to San Jose, I mean, it was super exciting. I mean, um, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen that year. And obviously, it was a big turnover in Toronto and and whatnot. They were, uh, they were really working on a few things. And so, but obviously, we weren't making the playoffs by any shot in Toronto. And, and uh, to go to a team like San Jose, where obviously, they were a contender. And, and I learned, you know, I learned a ton that those three months, I mean, just the level of leadership and commitment and you know work ethic that that they had you know what I mean it was it was something to to really to see firsthand you know like it's were there it, guys that surprised like that you saw it from that surprised you based on how long they'd been in the league was it yeah, them yeah still and, doing those types of things and just the way they could control how they played but also their emotions and and how they prepared you know like San Jose, obviously, with Jumbo and Burns and those guys, like they, I like to have a ton of fun. They like to goof off, and and it was really cool to see because they would, you know, they would they would have their fun before the game. They'd be loose, and then all of a sudden, like at a certain time before the game, it was just like boom, game mode. Like jokes are jokes are over. Where we're doing this, you know what I mean? And it was just it was just cool to see that that uh, you know they didn't take the game too seriously, but but when it was time to play, it was time to play. Can you take anything out of that as a goaltender? Like, do you have a routine where you start certain things at certain times to be ready to play a game? Or can seeing guys in player positions switch a focus, can that have a benefit for you as a goalie too? Or just seeing it's possible or seeing that attention? What? Yeah. How, how do you soak that in and actually make it apply to you? I think so. Because, I mean, you're, you're, always, you're always trying to fine-tune your game, right? And I think there's some common practices and, and common things that all athletes do, you know, not even just, you know, different positions in your own sport. And so, so to see, you know, guys like that, it starts to make you think about your game. It's like, well, could I loosen up a little bit more game? Like, would that actually make me a better player? You know, you've had that thought a bunch of times, obviously, or you've had a mention to you or whatnot. And, uh, and then you see these guys having success and it's like, okay, this is a viable option. You know what I mean? And maybe you start to tweak it a little bit. And okay. So three years in, in Florida after Toronto, and I promise we're going to wrap up here cause I know I'm getting <laughs> you in trouble at home. April's going to just blame it on us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, I always do. Don't worry. Uh, playing with Roberto Luongo as much as the plan was to go there and play and play probably more. Roberto's a competitive guy that doesn't give up the net very easily. What'd you learn from him? If anything, uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, the thing I learned from Lou, I mean, obviously Lou's a great guy and, and it sucks to see, uh, you know, honestly sucks that, that he's done. I mean, when he told me, you know, honestly, like my heart sank, I mean, um, I know how much of a competitor he is and how much he loves the game and, and stuff. And so, and for the game to lose, you know, a, a personality like that. And also just, you know, his level of excellence, his entire career. I mean, it's, it sucks for the game. Um, but, uh, you know, what I learned from him is, is, you know, just work ethic. I mean, every single day he came in and he'd go about his thing and, and do his, his warm up and, and, and it was exhausted by the end. And for it was that exhausting, hit. right? I was tired watching him and, uh, you know, he'd get on the ice and he just, he just works. He just works. You know what I mean? There's, there's no, there's no up and down to his game. You know what I mean? There's one day he'd work harder than the next. It was just, he'd get on the ice and he would just be good. Every day, he'd just bring the same level of, of a high, high level of work ethic, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was Groundhog Day every day. And, you know, 
and that's the way he played. I mean, he rarely had bad games. You know, he just played the same way. And so it was pretty pretty impressive to see, you know, just his um, – just how steady he was. Tough year last year for everyone, I think. Like, uh, I don't know, a lot of people look at numbers, and I think when you look at the Panthers' numbers, all the goalies kind of – it wasn't a good year for anyone. And usually, like, we, you know, I, I, I had a lot of people ask me about Bishop and Hudobin. I had a lot of people ask me about Greiser, who's at the camps with us in the summer, and Laner. And usually on that end, when the numbers are good for both guys, we look at it and we say, well, yeah, I mean, listen, goaltending doesn't exist in a vacuum. We are a function of what's going on in front of us. Last year, clearly, it was a tougher environment in Florida for goalies. When you see everybody's numbers across the board take a hit, that's probably a factor. You were behind that in Toronto, too, at times, where it, what, the, the structure wasn't great. How do you get through that as a goalie? When you feel like you're playing well, but maybe the numbers aren't there. Like, how do you find, how do you judge yourself when you think maybe I'm put, I feel like I'm playing better than what the results look like? How hard is that? Yeah, I mean, when it's a tough situation and, and you know, maybe you're not playing as well as you can or as a team you're not playing as well as you can. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, <laughs> I think the good thing about that is, uh, you know, you're refined by fire, right? I mean, you just... You learn to persevere and 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 believe and and you know I think last year too I think every goalie you know except maybe a select few um, really you know had a hard time adjusting because I think the game changed more last year than it's ever changed in the last fifteen years in terms of what you guys were seeing like because of what's going on in front of you defensively but just overall in terms of league too I think just overall in the league I think there's just way more you know way more young guys in the league and and you know to to um you know break it down i mean everyone always says you know young guys they can't play defense it takes them a couple years to learn to play d everyone can play offense but they can't play d but now that the league's getting younger it's just offense 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 and more risk more risk high risk high reward type things right so less def i mean it's funny because defensive defensemen don't exist anymore Braden holby <laughs> last year told me he's like carl alzner was one of the favorite my favorite guys to play behind in Washington of all time. Yeah. And he's not in the league anymore. Yeah. And those guys aren't getting drafted anymore. And that mm -hmm. means, as you said, there's a little less of that defensive style in front of the goaltenders. That is a tougher environment. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I found myself, you know, start of the year, you know, I'd normal, maybe my normal depth or a touch more than, than I would normally have. And all of a sudden, like, by a month, month and a half in, I was like, I got to pull this way back because it's just lateral play, lateral play, lateral play. And so, um, you know, I think there was a big adjustment for, for some guys. And, and obviously there's a few teams who, like the top teams that were, you know, had, had really good systems in place that, that maybe there wasn't such a drastic, drastic push. Mitigated think, some of those chances. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it, was, it was a difficult year, I think, for, for a lot of goalies. And I think it's just, you know, perseverance, trust your game and, and, and you know, Trust your game, but have an understanding of have your eyes have your eyes open to understand what's going on around Don't you. Don't just and, pass the buck, but yeah, you gotta take you gotta take your your share of it, and uh, you gotta fine tune. We need to fine tune, but I mean, just just trust it. I mean, you're an NHL goalie, so just uh, it's in there. Just last, find it. Last one is you go to Carolina. Um, how do you feel about your game? Like through all these different evolutions, all these different voices that you've absorbed and added pieces from. How do you feel about things heading in there? How do you feel about your game right now at this stage of your career? Uh, pr pretty good. I mean, I obviously last year was was a great year for learning, and so um, you know, usually when you learn a lot, then you then you apply it the next year. So 
Um, but I'm excited about this year, the things I've been doing off, off ice um, with Afran and and just uh, kind of my approach to the game and, and some more on-ice stuff I'm going to be doing. It's I'm really looking forward to, uh, to you know, uh, fine-tuning things. I, I, I kind of took a step back and looked at my at my year last year and 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 um, kind of saw some things that I need to keep the same and some things that I need to improve on and whatnot. And so I feel like I have a pretty pretty good plan in place for this summer. So definitely looking forward to uh, – to uh, putting her in place in, you, in Carolina. You set yourself up, though, on this one. I'm sorry. But when you look back at your year, are you just looking at video, James? Or are you looking at statistics as well and looking for trends when you try and have that honest evaluation of what's what what I feel good about and what I need to improve? Is that you with a goalie coach? Is that you on your own? Like, What's that process like? Because I think there's a lot of young goalies that would be fascinated to hear that. No, for me, it's just all mental, really. I mean, I, I it's, it's nice to hear certain stats and, 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 and get some hard information like that but you know mostly it's just it's just me lying in bed head on the pillow just thinking about things okay, so and, you're not uh, doing a lot of video work it's just more self-evaluation yeah i think it's more just self-evaluation I mean, i've seen a bit of video too and and whatnot but but for me it was is like it's just like how did you feel in the game like what like you know i have a pretty good memory i can i can replay the video in my head and so um you know what i mean i i know how i felt in certain situations and and uh, I just, you know, a couple of ideas popped in my head and, and uh, you evaluate those ideas and then you pick a few that you think are, are top priority and you get after it. Okay, so you replay the game in here. You're not doobie, though. Like, like you're not, like, can you, like, Devin can actually recall every goal. That I think he might be able to do most saves, too. You're not quite to that level. You- I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think as a goalie, you have a pretty good memory. <laughs> okay, so next time, because you're way late, but next time we're going to play a little game. I'm doing this with Doobie later this summer. He <laughs> says he can remember every goal. Wow. We might pull was, some, we might, we could have some fun. We might pull some clips and see wow, who's yeah. got the better memory. Yeah, James, I'm, thank I'm sure it's him. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for your time today. I know I've kept you longer than I wanted to, um, but the conversation was so good. We really enjoyed it. And I know our listeners are going to too. Beautiful. No, my pleasure. Thank you. You know, for about 10 minutes, a couple of weeks ago when we interviewed Mark Tambrugger, I felt bad about busting Woody about the two more questions thing. <laughs> I, I, and then I then as I was walking back to my hotel in Vancouver at the draft, I thought to myself, no, it's 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 true. He does it every time. <laughs> and 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 I was just proven correct once again, Woody. Yeah. Yeah, let's just say there were some sincere apologies issued uh, to April Reimer on behalf of Kevin Woodley through James. I think Hutch actually may have bailed us out on that one. I told uh, told Rhymes just a reminder because they're heading to Manitoba the day after and he was supposed to be home early to pack and Afran had already kept him late. Me and him had chit-chatted before we started and you know he said, hey, I got this amount of time and then we chit-chatted for half of it before we even hit record. So... Um, yeah, I owe James an apology. I owe April and their two young daughters an apology for keeping dad, uh, as long as I did. But like I said, Hutch, I did remind him to remind her that those beautiful pictures of James in his full gear on the ice and on the bench with April and Nevaeh, their firstborn, um, from last summer's net 360 camp yep. that you sent to me to forward to him that I think they really appreciated. I think that might've might have bought us a little goodwill for keeping him late this podcast. Yeah, so, you think he was uh, happy about those? I sent them to him actually, but he was I, uh, he was happy, was he? Yes, he was. Yes, I yeah. think he was. So that might have bought us a little goodwill there. And as I said at the beginning, 
I joked around about a bunch of jerks and there's no way Reimer could fit in that. Like Rhymes is, I mean, never, he's always smiling, right? Like his attitude is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Such a, such a good dude, such a funny guy. We get to see him off the ice in the, in the workouts and, you know, joking around with the boy. He's, he's just, he's, he's one of the really good ones in the game and, uh, Hope he gets a good opportunity. I think he will in Carolina. Uh, I'm really curious to see the goalie coach hire they make there. I think it's going to be an important one for him. Um, it would be nice if, I don't want to say as expected, but I have a hunch that maybe it might be Paul Schoenfelder who just won a Calder Cup championship with the Carolina Hurricanes affiliate in Charlotte. Just helped guide Alex Nedeljkovic to a Calder, sorry, not a, not just a Calder Cup, but also a um, goalie of the year in the American Hockey League award. Um, made some changes, as I understand it, uh, to Dakarski that really helped him uh, be a part of that tandem that won them the championship. Be nice if he gets the promotion. Um, be, be nice if it works for him and his family because uh, they still live back in Ottawa. If they can make all that work, I think it would be good for James because there are some elements in what... Um, Paul Schoenfelder teaches that I think would fit very well with James. Uh, he is a thing about rhymes is he's such a nice guy. Almost sometimes I don't want to say to a fault, but like he always wants to please the the person he's working with. And sometimes, sometimes at the detriment maybe of, of his own game in terms of trying everything and wanting to do what the person in front of him is telling when maybe he isn't as sold on it being the answer as he is what he did to get to that place. So I think it'd be a nice fit if it was him, uh, Paul moving up, maybe a guy like Freddie Brathwaite, who is also has some similar backgrounds uh, in that mix as well in the Carolina uh, goalie coach search. So yeah, they're a little, a little, little insider tidbit, but also how I think it would fit very well with rhymes if it goes down. Do you think he uh, he took his own advice and took five ten minutes before coming out to talk to you to catch his breath and get prepared for some of the questions you were going to ask? No, I got to be honest with you. Uh, the the, the off ice workout was scheduled to be outside around the corner in a field, um, and it poured rain that morning in Kelowna, oh. and so it was moved indoors. So all the boys had to go out and haul all the weights and stuff into the indoor facility at uh, Capital News Center. They were really nice sort of indoor. Uh, side-by-side soccer field, indoor soccer fields, and that's where they train. So I think Rhymes was kind of lingering and hanging with me to avoid having to haul all that crap back <laughs> up to A-France oh, truck. Using, so uh, yeah. so I he used me had, in a different Hutch way. Hutch had a great uh, great line about the uh, the number 99 synergy between Belfort winning a cup in 99 and being drafted uh, 99th overall. Hutch? Also the number of questions Kevin asks after saying just one more, please. <laughs> Over and over. Hey, how many times do we find ourselves after one of these interviews saying, honestly, this guy's one of the really nice ones in the game? I mean, it almost feels like a cliche that all these guys we speak to are just really well, genuinely nice human beings. It's so I'll good. say this. I think I think uh, people don't take advantage of him. Uh, I don't think he's uh, appreciated, though, uh, for, for what he did. He, he stepped into a tough situation in Toronto. And I will, I'm not going to tell you who, who told me, but it was a high person in management at the Maple Leafs who said he wasn't athletic and he wouldn't make it. Wow. And this was after he was drafted and he burst onto the scene, took the number one job and, and, and took them to a playoff and in that uh, epic series against the, the Boston Bruins, which they were up in game seven. But uh, this is a guy that's won 144 games of the National Hockey League and through 
two main stops and one other one in, in San Jose. And I don't, I don't know whether people really uh, appreciate how how great of a story and a great of goaltender he is. He's not a star. I'm not going to go that far, but but he's he he's definitely better than what people will will buy into. And I think part of the problem in Florida too, guys, was. And he'll be the first one to admit it didn't always go well. But if you take a look at it, when Roberta was hurt, when Roberta was on IR and it was James's job, uh, someone told me the save percentage was 921. Wow. The problem was when Roberta was there, the, the opportunities to play became um, sometimes and they get behind and James wouldn't have a good game and the leash would be gone and they'd run Roberto. And, and frankly, if I'm honest, I think they ran him into the ground a few times, especially as he got older. And then when they needed to go back to James because they'd run – Lou into the ground. Rhymes hadn't played in a couple of weeks. So it's not an excuse. He's not making it as an excuse. I think all, you know, I said this to him too, like when all the goalies numbers are bad, like last year, and for the record, his was the best of the four that played there last season. Um, usually that's not the goaltending. No. Cause I've had so many people say, Oh, like Florida's only problem last year was it's goaltending. I don't know how many articles I've read about Sergei Bobrovsky that start with, Florida addressed its only problem last year, goaltending. When all four guys, when Roberto Luongo, a career 920 guy, dips below 900, when all four guys play that far below their career averages, Michael Hutchison, remember, he was supposed to be the big like signing as like one of the best number three guys, should have been in the NHL. He was sub 900. Samuel Montembeau is going to be their backup this year, evidently. Um, got a lot of praise for stepping in and being ready for the NHL. I think he finished with an 894. When that happens, just as we look at the New York Islanders and Robin Lehner and Thomas Grice and the Dallas Stars with Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin having similarly great numbers, when everybody tanks, I'm telling you, it's usually not just the goaltending. It's the crap that's going on in front of them. And uh, Florida will be better. Bob is an excellent goaltender, but a large part of it's going to be Quenville cleaning up the crap that was going on in their own end. They were giving up lateral seam plays, broken plays. Like that was a tough environment for goaltenders. My bet is that James Reimer has a really big bounce back season. And I'm not just saying that because I think he's a really nice guy. Platoon situation in, in Carolina? Yeah, the thing I think James can give you, if you give an opportunity to play regularly, I could see him pushing Peter Morazic, whose consistency at times has been an issue. Uh, The one question about numbers, and we we get into numbers uh, because of the position uh, with the save percentage and and the average and uh, wins, uh, is uh, what number number is James Reimer going to wear? Because Morazic is is 34, and James Mm. has worn 34 forever. Would have been a great question. Yeah, it would have been, but that would have been number one hundred, and uh, and he yeah. wasn't going to go to triple digits. That. And he's I actually did reach out to uh, Carolina, and and they have uh, have they've broached that subject with with James, uh, but they have not heard back about what number he's oh, going to wear. Woody, you should text him and say one more. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, I know I kept you like to the point where you almost missed your trip to Manitoba to visit family, but let me now now let me just interrupt it with a inane question about your number. Okay, I'm no, voting for forty three. It's a good, it's a good, actually a good question. I'm kicking myself that I didn't ask it, but I can guarantee you this. We will be the first ones to ask it because we see him as soon as he gets back from Manitoba up at Net360 Camp in Kelowna. How about the fact that he didn't start playing hockey until he was 12? Yeah, that, you know what? That I didn't me. realize that. That got me yep. today. <clears throat> yep. Starts at 12 and he's in the WHL as a 17 year old. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. And Don't from a town that a, small. Don't tell me he's on athletic leaves. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, that, that was one person's opinion, but yeah, it, yeah. it struck me as really, really shocking when, when, when that person told me, told me that, but 12 years old, I mean, and, and, uh, didn't have a goalie coach until he was what, well, didn't have a full-time goalie coach until he was in, in the American hockey league. Right. No, and he, well, he had he did have Andy Nowicki in uh, in Red Deer, but it was Red funny Deer. because you know that, that that was at a time when you know sort of modern technical goalie coaching was just sort of coming of age, and yeah. uh, he did. We we've joked about this in the past. He says his first really technical goalie coach was, and he said it in the interview was Morgan Clark, Clarky. who of course was yeah. Ian Clark's kid. So that's we've shared that story before, but it was funny to get to share it with the listeners again. He uses the Bauer line uh, of equipment, which he is our, does. part of our gear segment he has a bauer 2x pro stick but it actually isn't a 2x pro stick it's an nxg skin but we are going to talk about the 2x pro stick for reels this week which eric comrie was using at the camp um in Kelowna last week and to talk talk about it we're going to go to the hockey shop source sports in surrey that's where i go for all my gear needs over the years they're in my backyard and that makes me a lucky guy because they're the best at what they do, whether it's their world-famous uh, skate sharpening or expert advice on anything gold. They carry all the best brands, have a huge selection. This is basically, you've heard me say it before, this is like a little slice of goalie heaven. Unfortunately, not everybody is as lucky as me. Not everybody gets to go there in person and have conversations with Cam or this week, Jonathan Holloway. Um, not everyone gets to go there. There's good news, though, especially if you're on the other side of the border. You can go to thehockeyshop.com and your U.S. dollars go a lot further because of the exchange rates. Taking a little dip in the past week. I get paid in U.S. funds. That sucks. But it's still around 30, 31. Uh, the dollar 31 Canadian you'll get for a U.S. dollar. And that means your U.S. dollar will go that much further at thehockeyshop.com. So if you're shopping from the States, make sure you check them out. The prices are even cheaper. And yes, with the exception of CCM and Bauer, Everything else gets shipped cross-border. Make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. The sticks, the subject of the gear segment, and the trip to Sorcerer Sports Surrey is back on as Woody has a new partner. Teaming up with Jono. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports in Surrey, British Columbia, and also can be found at thehockeyshop.com. I'm down in the basement again. A uh, little slice of goalie heaven. We're actually in the back room today. It's busy out front. Too many goalies checking out all this amazing gear. So we slipped into the back room, but not with Cam. We have a special guest today because Cam got married. Evidently, this is now like, I don't know, against the rules or something. He's too busy. Like, guy gets married and now he's ditching us. I will have to figure this out. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he won't. Big timed us. We got Jonathan Holloway here instead. Uh, one of the uh, staffers down here in the goalie department. and. I always tell you, our, our listeners, when we talk to Cam, I always talk about how when you come to the goalie department here, you end up talking to goalies. This isn't like a store where it's just some random 16-year-old high school kid trying to sell you goalie gear. Um, you guys play the position. You understand the position. You have passion for the position. So Jonathan Holloway is, last year played with the White Rock Whalers, Junior B, looking to move up to Junior A this year. This guy gets it. So, Jonathan, first of all, thank you for coming on uh, the, the podcast with us. Thanks for having me. And we're going to talk a little Bauer 2X Pro and the Bauer 2X Stick line. Um, let's start at the top, because uh, that's how we like to do it around here. Uh, let's start with the Bauer, Bauer 2X Pro Stick. Uh, just walk me through the basics of, of what 
they're trying to achieve here. And there are some big differences from the in the 2X from the 1X. Some big changes. They went away from the balsa that was inside the, the 1X. What's what's the what's the feel? What's the idea? What what do they got going on here? And what's the feedback early on? So the first thing you'll notice when you pick up the stick is it's really light. Um that was the big selling point and that's what they wanted out of the stick this time was to mimic that core foam core feeling while still having a light stick this time around because people picked up the 1x and just found it a bit too heavy and usually opted for maybe a 2s or something like that right and so the 1x had the uh the balsa sort of balsa core um that they used again to that was their attempt to get that foam core feel they're the first company to go bauer if you don't know is actually the first company our listeners don't know you would of course the first company to go completely away from foam core. They don't make a foam core stick. They're all in on composite. They've been ahead of the game on composite for a while. Um, the attempt was a foam core feel in the 1X. They used the balsa, got the feel. But they also got the weight. Also got the weight. So now this time, flash forward to this year, and they've used what they call aero foam core blade technology. So again, they've gone to... it more of a, a different sort of layering of the composite and the way they insert the form. And the, and the idea here is to make it feel like a foam core stick. And, you know, I, I mean, they've had success at the NHL level. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who for years wouldn't change out of a foam core product, is now using a genuine Bauer 2X Pro stick. It's not skinned. It really is a 2X Pro. That was a big switch for them. Uh, Linus Hallmark was the other guy who went all in. So, um, you know, sometimes you take with a grain of salt things that happen in pro, but in this case, a guy like Henrik, who is set in his ways, we've all seen his glove, um, pancake flat and doesn't close, uh, set in his ways, and for him to feel comfortable about the feel of this stick and, and its comparability to foam core is probably a pretty big step. What's been the feedback at retail? Uh, well, Lungfist says a lot like when he goes for that, but um, even at retail, we're seeing a lot more guys willing to try it. Um, a lot more guys actually switching from other things or switching from a foam core wood to it. Um, and it's been genuinely good uh, feedback for it. Everybody seems to be really happy with the lightness and the ability to get that foam core feel while still having a light stick that they can use. Okay, so we talked about the Aeroform. The other thing is the advanced carbon layering. So this is just a couple of terms, ACL. I think of my knee. They think of the way they layer their carbon to make it work. At the end of the day, uh, we'll be testing it at Ingle as well. We've got it on the ice. Uh, actually, just in the past couple of weeks, we've gotten it on the ice. Uh, early response was that, yeah, it did feel, you know, it's one thing in stick handling. I mean, composite's always going to have a, puck's going to jump off the blade a little more. It's going to be a little different. That's an easy adjustment, I think, for any goalie. It's it's about the feel of steering pucks into the corner. And we had some video and we had some guys out in it recently. And, you know, is it foam core identical? No, but they really liked it in terms of the similarities to a foam core again for you know the puck vibration, on sticks yeah the vibration like the way it feels in your hand so it's uh so that's a pretty big step so let's move down the line because there are different price points uh this one retails in canada uh 299 and uh what's the next one it's the x 2.9 is the next model down what changes from 2x pro to x 2.9 other than price point that one's 179 at retail Yes, so the X 2.9 still stays relatively similar to the 2X. Um, with that being said, you don't get the Aerofoam blade, you get an Enega blade, which is an upgrade for that price point in Bauer, but a downgrade not, not from the Pro. Same. Yes. Okay, so this one's going to feel more like a composite stick traditionally has. Um, again, better, better price point, 
But if you really want that foam core feel, that's the 2X Pro. X 2.9 is not going to have that aero foam, foam technology in it. Exactly. Okay, and next one down, lastly, but certainly not least, the X 2.5 $99 stick. I'm thinking this is, what's the target audience for this one? It's an entry model stick. It's something that people that don't want to go to that high price point are just playing once a week or twice a week want. Um, that's what it's built for. And it mimics somewhat of a prodigy with the way that the, um, the shoulder's taped. So you don't have to tape there. It gives you that added grip without it being actually I on the like stick. I kind of like that. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. obviously we all like to tape our own sticks, but it basically has a grip, as, as, as Jonathan said, sort of just right above the shoulder on the handle where you're going to grab the stick. It actually has a nice soft, almost feels like a golf grip, actually, with tape on both ends. Exactly. Built into it. For a $99 stick, not bad at all. It's comfortable to hold, and it plays pretty well as well. Okay. Um, now, 2X Pro on sale. If you're willing to handle the weight of the 1X Pro, this is this is where the sales usually come on because 2X Pro has hit the shelves, so 1X Pro is on sale. I notice you guys have some left. What's How far down is that marked right now? Uh, so that's marked down from the original 289 price to 231.99. Okay, and you still got a few left out there, so some different patterns and options and colors if people want to check it out at thehockeyshop.com. And what was it about this stick? Because I know you had some guys in-house here, like I said. All the guys in the hockey shop, goalie department, play the position, passionate about the position. There were some guys that were passionate about this stick. Um, was it just willing to have a little bit more weight, still lighter than a foam core, but a little more weight, say, compared to a 2X Pro to get that feel? Yes. that In the short, that's what it was. Um, some of the guys actually didn't mind the weight at all because it did mimic that core or foam core feeling while still giving you the benefits of a composite stick. So they didn't mind the weight whatsoever. Um, the balsa core really did help mimic the foam core feel, but when it came to actual customers, people wanted something they light. They want the lightweight. Yeah, no, absolutely. So if you're one of those people that did like the balsa and you were willing to have it be a little heavier, if you're old school, you like a heavy feel, hey, I got guys that I know that still like to play with like wood. I just shake my head. And we like... still see people too. <laughs> exactly. So some some guys like heavier sticks. If you're one of those uh, it's not like it's excessively heavy. It's just in comparison to the 2X Pro. That 1X Pro is on sale. Check it out at thehockeyshop.com um, for the sale price. Like I said, they still have a fairly good selection of it. And if you want the super lightweight new 2X Pro with AeroFoam core blade technology, again, super lightweight stick, more of the feel of foam core. They've got a full selection of that in multiple colors. And and we've talked about it on the customizer as well. You can order those in custom and get colors, name. And different shapes on the paddle, you only need to order one stick. That's a pretty big step for them. That's really nice. I mean, you don't have to commit to three. Then you can get the one stick. And yeah, it's just a better price point. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Hey, uh, Jonathan, thank you very much. Uh, I think you kind of killed it here, even though I had verbal diarrhea and talked all day. Um, You did a great job. Cam, if you're listening, buddy, you might be in trouble. He did a good job, Jono. Was I think we might have a star in the making here? Yes, and uh, a star fading in Cam. I mean, the challenge. <laughs> he got married. He, he didn't got, pass away. Well, I mean, now he's married. He's got all these responsibilities. The young. This is what happens. It's like rhymes. He gets a little older. He's got kids. The young. Yeah, the young goalies are nipping at his heels for playing time. This is what's happening to Cam. First, he gets married. 
Now all of a sudden the young buck comes in, delivers a strong performance in his in his in goal radio podcast debut. Like I'm 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 back at the shop this week. Congratulations to Cam on the wedding. But he's actually back at work. I think they're gonna push the honeymoon will be a little later. So he's actually gonna get back to the grind, which means he has to answer a few of my questions this week. I'm gonna give him another shot. But like I'm not saying, but there's a little bit of pressure on. I think right now. Well, that's two weeks in a row we haven't heard from Cam, and uh, sort of reminds us. I, I saw an old interview this week uh, on YouTube with uh, Johnny Bauer, Glenn Hall, and Jacques Plant, and they were referencing Glenn Hall's 502 consecutive games started, and he said, "I didn't want to give up the net because some young guy might come in and keep it." So uh, there you go, Cam Glenn Hall moment. Jonathan Holloway, aka Jono, to those in the shop. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned it in the interview, just another reason I go there, you hear the ex- level of expertise, right? These guys yeah. use it. We were talking about uh, about the 2X Pro stick. And the one thing we didn't really get to in there um, about the stick itself is just the actual weight difference compared to the 1X, the, the generation before it, which had the balsa wood in it. And the 1X Pro was 795 grams, and this new 2X Pro is 665 grams. So it is a significant weight difference by taking out that 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 balsa uh, wood that they had in the 1X Pro. So uh, there's the specifics on that. But it was interesting being in there because one of the guys really liked the 1X Pro, and so. He felt the feel was good on the 2X Pro, but he actually wanted the extra weight. So there are, you know, there's always, everybody has so many different preferences that 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 little bit of heaviness can kind of feel more traditional to an old school guy. And you know, But that's why you go in there. That's why you go in because these guys play it, like I said, said it many times. They all play it at a really high level. They're all passionate about it. Guys like John O, Jonathan Holloway, playing Junior B, looking to move up to Junior A. Um, and he doesn't just get the gear he plays with. They're always talking about each other's gear and what they like and what they don't like and what they think works and what works best. And so when you go in there and you have those conversations, it's like you're getting real genuine advice from guys who really understand it. Can I ask a stupid question? There are no stupid questions, only stupid answers, and that's what I'm here for. Can you tell me other than wait, like don't go wait, but what's, What's the difference between foam core and and composite? When with somebody like, like Henrik Lundqvist didn't want to switch for the longest time. Well, and he didn't, as we said, yeah, feel. yeah, yeah. It's feel. So I mean, it, just feel. Yeah, because the foam core ultimately the outer surface is like old traditional wood, like it's soft, right? Yeah, and it breaks down. It's funny. A lot of people talk about stick breakage as an issue with composite because it's a more expensive product. But the reality is, unless you have an actual failure, a breakage, uh, I find the composite lasts longer because it doesn't soften up like the old wood foam core would, where it, where it would, would just eventually chip away. But in addition to the weight, it's just the feel. Like there's a softness to a wood outer layer that you can't really fully replicate. Um, they come close in terms of the feel, getting rid of the vibe. When, when, remember when composite first came out, Hutch? Like the original sticks, there's a lot yeah, of, they felt tinny. Oh, the Warrior didn't. They did a nice job with the handle there. But I'd say that was the first change. Yeah. Yeah. They they yeah, the ritual did it was the first one to sort of introduce a, you know, it was it was a it was a specific rubber designed to take away uh a specific wavelength that the hand felt, like actually dampen that wavelength before it got to your hand by having it up around the paddle. And to me, the feel used to be composite felt stiff and tinny, and you didn't have any of that feel. It just it felt hard. 
they've overcome that. They've come so far with that. Uh, it doesn't feel like that anymore. But the one thing you can't really change to me is, and to me, it's not worth it anymore. I, I, I don't know. I Again, I'm old and weak and I go back to a foam core right now and it would feel like it weighed a ton. Um, but that's a level of softness on the blade that it's pretty hard to imitate. Okay. It is, and and I would say our experience here, looking at the two X and the two S stick, uh, I think the two S is is a great stick, and in your hand you probably don't even realize it, but then you grab the two X, and there is a bit more softness to it. There is a bit more feel to it. It's a bit traditional. It's it's. I couldn't say if it's at the level of foam core because I haven't tested one side by side in a, in a long time. Um, but you, you can, can see the difference and why a guy like Henrik might be willing to make the change now. Two mm-hmm. X a little bit lighter than the two, uh, excuse me, heavier than the two S, but not really noticeably at this point. They're, they're so light. So, uh, yeah, really, really good to work with both of them now. Well, I mean, the two S is like, what is it? Two hundred six hundred and twenty five grams. Like it's, it's 625 grams. It's the lightest stick on the market. And that's of course has that ergo, uh, spine, which almost looks like a player stick. Yeah. Cut right, cut right up uh, in the back of the paddle, um, rather than having a solid paddle. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it is a little bit of a different feel. I, I guess it's all relative. It's funny we were talking about it. How how does it feel? We're trying to figure out how to describe whether the two X Pro really feels like foam core. Mm-hmm. You know what the reality is? None of our testers have been in foam core. Yeah, the guys left in foam core Not for really. the most part. The only guys left in foam core are beer leaguers. And NHL guys who just refuse to f- to switch because mm-hmm. they don't want to change. Well, it's the, the beer leaguers that I asked the question for because you're you're wondering that and you're you're trying to figure out all, all this terminology about foam core and 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 composite and what's the what's the true real difference when it comes down to it. And you say feel and puck handling, I would think too. Yeah, no question. When you first grab, first time you grab a composite stick. The puck, as as so, if someone, if you got a hard rim or you got a puck coming in, or someone's passing it back to you with a fair bit of velocity, you need to provide more cushion than you would on a foam core in terms of it not popping off. Like there's more bounce off a composite stick blade than there is on a foam core. Like that, that's just just the way it is. And but you adjust, and within a few yeah. skates, you. It, you just cushion it a little more. It's like having a different baseball mitt, right? You just kind of, just kind of absorb it a little bit more and make sure you accept a little bit more of the blow, and it doesn't bounce off. That's the only difference, really. Hey, I don't think we've mentioned, but by the time this podcast hits the uh, internet airwaves, uh, our review of the Two X Pro Stick should be live at ingoldmag.com. So go check that out. There's uh, photos, video. Our first impressions, uh, a lot of good stuff there. If you want to know more about the stick than we're giving away here on the podcast. And some pretty cool stuff from Lena Selmark of the Buffalo Sabres who walked us through some, uh, not just the stick, but uh, the way he tapes it up. Uh, he's a He is a true gear geek. And so we did a bunch of stuff with him, with some with video, some just talking to him when the Sabres were in town this year that we've been kind of sitting on. Uh, we're going to start to unleash that, starting with a segment in this gear review of the 2X Pro Stick. And where will people find that? Where can people find that? Uh, I would believe that is at ingolmag.com. And uh, while we're saying that, we might want to pull out the announcer's voice to remind people, if you've got questions you'd like to send in, comments, let us know how the podcast is going, podcast at ingolmag.com.
going to bring everybody a, a treat in a couple of weeks. Working on the audio right now, I was honored to host a, a, a goalie roundtable, a hot stove, uh, this past week in Summerside, Prince Edward Island, for the Boys and Girls Club. On the panel, uh, Drew McIntyre, longtime pro. Uh, had a couple of uh, shots in the NHL. He's from Cornwall PEI. And also on the stage with him, Jerry Cheevers and Grant Fear, uh, which was really cool. So three totally different generations uh, of guys and talked about the goaltending and their best games and, and coaches and uh, dealing with uh, with different scenarios from, from their generation. So uh, Cheesy, uh, Fearsy, and, uh, and Drew. I don't, I don't Drew doesn't have a, like, a, I guess we call him Mac. So right off the hop, you ask us where Kevin's been, where I'm going, and you hold that till an hour and 20 into the podcast to let us know what you've been up to. That's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm I'm the I'm the host. I no, I, I, I no, no, no. Come on. Throw, throw it to you guys. Uh, uh Randy from the Trailer Park Boys was there too. <laughs> he, <laughs> was he a goalie? He wasn't uh he wasn't playing goal. He had a shirt off. Uh the, you, you don't want to see that. He oh, has, he, he would have fit right in at our golf tournament then. I can tell yeah. you that. Yes, I uh I I would tend to agree not knowing exactly because the harvest is a good call golf course. Uh I I think that Randy would have fit in with you guys very well. A uh, good Absolutely. job today, guys. Thanks. And hey, and when, you, brother. When we get to Drew McIntyre, I hope you ask him about Mr. Potato Head on his mask. <laughs> you know what? I didn't, unfortunately. See, now was, we're even now a, we're even for me not asking Reimer about yes. his number. We're good. It was it was at a dinner with a couple of thousand people, so uh, I was trying to keep it I, I really wanted to go goalie geek like on this podcast and and I had to keep it somewhat generic but there's some uh, some good conversation well, that uh, that will bring you in a couple well, of weeks. Well the answer involves his pride in PEI potato so it would have been good for the locals. Uh, yes. Very you're good got a great point there. Um a takeaway from this episode. James Reimer grew up in a tiny rural prairie setting guys he started playing hockey when he was 12 didn't have a goalie coach uh until major junior and somehow he's working on a double digit professional career any one of those points would make him unique never mind all in one mix creating one's own path should not be viewed as beating the odds but think of it this way look at it as showing the world how much you really want something i'm darren millard thanks to Jono at the Hockey Shop, James Reimer. For David Hutchison, Kevin Woodley, thanks for listening to Ingold Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop. Source for sports, thehockeyshop.com. <laughs>